Addiction plays hardball. He would hit me with these verbal attacks. I just said to him, I love you so much. You're such an amazing person. I can't take this ride anymore. It was the fact that dad made that sentiment and broke down. And years later, he told me it had a huge impact on him. Sometimes doing what's right for your loved one is the hardest thing to do. Karen is that right thing. Visit CARON.org slash lost. Reese's peanut butter cups are the greatest, but let me play devil's advocate here. Let's see. So, no, that's a good thing. Uh, <laughs> that's definitely not a problem. Uh, Reese's, you did it. You stumped this charming devil. Ladies and gentlemen, welcome to the LPN Show, recorded both in Los Angeles and New York City. We're just, you know, here to hang out, have a good time. All right, I'll talk to y'all after a while. Hey there, listeners of the LPN Network. God, you're lucky. God, you're lucky we just keep pumping out beautiful show after beautiful show, and aren't you just the luckiest, sweetest, tightest listener that's ever been. And I thank you for your participation here on the internet. Hello, my name is Henry Zabrowski. I am one of the triptych of hosts of the LPN show. And today we have a brand new LPN show for you. Um, Oy, this one's going to be a good one. Unlike all the other, the parades of bad ones, this is going to be a good one. Um, we like to introduce you to, this is a, a, a old friend of ours who is very talented. The, the term is multi-hyphenate in the business, um, which means a lot of times um, you end up doing your own lighting for your own self-made porno. That's what it ended up made. But you also wrote it, and you're starring in it, and you did the makeup all over your dick. And But this, this man knows explicitly how to do each one of these things. Uh, ladies and gentlemen, I'd like to introduce you to, this is Doug Sackman. He is a producer. Production designer, special effects artist, an actor. You may also know him as Sergeant Kabuki Man uh, from the Tromaverse. Doug Sackman, hello. Welcome to the LPN Show. Wow. Henry Zabrowski. So good to see you and, and hear your, your sensual voice. That was such a saucy intro. Hey, I try, to bump, I try to make the show as French as possible. We're really reaching across to Europe <laughs> with the LPN Show because over there, baby smoke... Women don't wear shirts. It's a great country. I'm calling Europe a country. Well, uh, it made my baguette hard. So uh, yeah. you got me there. Yeah. Well, you've spent a lot of time in France because of the how many times? How many times have you been? We'll just start like this. First of all, the most recent project you're working on, and you've been working on Unsolved Mysteries, which I'm certain our audience wants to know all about. Yeah. Incredible. Incredible experience. How how has it been? Like how, Like the idea of stepping into such a classic scenario i feel like when you watch because the x-files had their big reboot which i think was half successful and half not only just because it seems they're kind of changing the direction of the x-files to begin with where unsolved mysteries the new batch was like right on the money well i mean it's the original true crime creators you know they've been doing it for almost 40 years like 36 37 years something like that and uh it set the bar for true crime 
across the board with, and it wasn't even really called true crime then. I don't think, you know, it was just, you know, I maybe, I don't know. It was, it was just life. It was just, uh, you know, it was the women gone missing. Yeah. This is the shit that's happening, but they went, you know, it wasn't just cops or America's most wanted. It went into the supernatural. It went into aliens. It went into, you know, yeah. all kinds of things that are on the, the line of reality, you know, yeah. it's a line of like, what is actually real? I mean, it's real. I mean, everything they talk about, they believe and put out there is real, you know? So well, they've experienced some shit and that show has caught people. And that show is like, I remember that's the first time I'd ever heard of the Rendlesham forest incident. How many times it really educated me as a young, like hungry for paranormal nerd, especially paranormal. I want to say the paranormal stuff actually had even more of an effect on me when I was younger versus the true crime content that affects me more now. Like now I'm more interested in true crime stories just because the paranormal ones seem to be harder and harder to come by, especially in the world of unsolved mysteries, because nowadays they want to say it's plenty solved. Most people are just saying, you know, it's dust mites. <laughs> That's not orbs. It's dust mites. And it's been like, yeah, man, well, dust mites are boring. Well, that's the thing. They do they do the research for, um, you know, I mean, just the UFO episode we did for the new Netflix. Yeah, dog. That was five years of research, you know, and it's a much part of a much larger story. But they narrowed it down to one night where they've had a lot of stories and the most believable and like credible of the, you know, evidence. The same thing with the Rendlesham Forest. That's something that when I talk to people about UFO stuff that don't want to hear it or don't believe at all. Or, you know, maybe on the line, I was like, that's one you should check out because that's like government officials from the United States and the UK, like working together and documenting it on over several nights. You know, it's, uh, it's crazy. I love, I love the Rendlesham forest incident. Cause also it's all of these trained observers that are in the middle of this. So people whose jobs are to look at shit, see things that they can't fully explain. I, I love the Rendlesham Forest. That yeah. I love the whole story. Well, Doug, on Unsolved Mysteries, well, like, how does it feel like to step into something that has this much gravitas? Like, that is something that is so important, especially to our generation. I mean, honestly, I feel like it's something I've been building up to my entire life because before I was even thinking about being in the entertainment industry, I was into you know, horror stuff and true crime, uh, well, not true crime, Unsolved Mysteries. I was so into Unsolved Mysteries and uh, Sightings was the other big show I watched. Yeah, fucking Sightings! In you Search know? of, too, man. That was also good. They, I, they didn't like the new In Search of as much, but, man, I love Sightings. Yeah, Sightings was, like, the main, that and Unsolved Mysteries were the, the two big ones for me. Uh, and just full circle kind of working, uh, you know, through the entertainment industry kind of ending up in doing a lot of reality television and then going into documentary series and making connections that it just was kind of uh, offered to me, you know, to work on one episode. And I was like, yes, this is incredible. You know, I'm, I'm such a fan fanboyed out on it, you know? That's so fucking cool. Um, well, so now I feel like this is, a, this is an interesting because we are unique in this world where we make a living in a combo between the horror community and true crime and paranormal, like real shit, like the real macabre stuff. What do you, how do you tell people, how do we bridge that gap? Cause I find that there is actually a, there's a separate there camps sometimes that I didn't fully understand. Cause in my mind, the two always go together, horror movies and true crime. But I'm now finding there's a lot of people that love true crime, but can't handle horror movies, which I find very interesting. It's, it is very interesting. And it's something that like, 
I've kind of walked the line with that my entire career because I've been also on the side of working on something like Unsolved Mysteries and more reality-based and, you know, I guess commercial projects. And then I've also been working for Troma Entertainment for 20 years now. So 20 years. It's really been 20 years. It's actually 22 or 23, depending on, I guess, who you ask. I don't know. Man, that's like back when like Lloyd's pubes were brown. Oh, I mean, he... I was actually there as his hair was turning gray, like <laughs> for the uh, theatrical release, you know, of Terra Firmer, which we're actually showing at this Troma Ween. We'll talk about that that later. But absolutely, um, what was your first job on Troma? Like, what, what with them? What was the uh, my first job? I was, you know, I was doing acting stuff in in New York, and I was kind of working on some other stuff. I had worked with the Upright Citizen Brigade. And, Were you like uh, a young model? Uh, I didn't do the model thing. I was trying to be a young actor. I did a lot of featured background stuff and they did put me in the model category because I kind (laughs) of looked like, you know, I don't know, a little surfer boy or Yeah, you're kind of dashing figure. (laughs) Well, I I also had like bleach blonde hair and I would color it different bright colors all the time and stuff. Like you got the green hair right now. I was jealous. I I can't cut my hair for this uh, Kabuki Man Returns. So seriously? Yeah. (laughs) Yeah, I made a comment before, Doug. I didn't mean to insult you, but I said that you starting to look like the Crib Keeper. Yeah. I mean, it's uh, I've never had my hair this long. I had the same hairstyle my entire life. You know, when I last time I saw you, I I probably had the same hairstyle. And then I started uh, growing it out just to kind of, you know, for this this role and just to see what would happen. And this is what's happening. <laughs> we have to. I feel like the same way. I feel like this. I'm at the point of the beginnings of true baldness that I kind of have to. If I'm growing it out one last time, get it. Ready. This is the time. This is one last roll into the sunset for whatever the front hairs. Now, I, it's like a bucket list for my front four hairs. I want to ask them, like, what do you want to do? <laughs> Where do you, what do you want to see in the world for front hairs? Well, I also I got to throw this in right now because I got to thank you guys for it. I mean, my flowing long hair is actually thanked to uh, Keeps, which I discovered on last podcast on the on the left. Talking, talking. One of my friends had mentioned like the laser comb thing, and I started using that. And then what's a laser comb? It's it's something that works sort of. It's kind of like a a holdover for I don't know. They have these things now. It's like there's a a comb, but then there's also a baseball cap that has all these lasers and wear the cap for 15 minutes and it like opens up your hair follicles with like high powered lasers. Does it work? It, it actually did. It didn't help me grow back hair, but it stops me from losing hair for a year. Probably. Yeah. I'm going to get this laser hat because honestly it's better than the Rogaine because Rogaine is the most, uh, it's emasculating and it well, is well, sad and is gross. Keeps, Keeps has a thing where, you know, they have these pills where you don't need to use anything and then they have clear liquid too. So like, I mean, if, if Keeps is listening to this and they want Sergeant Kabuki Man, NYPD as a spokesmodel. <laughs> uh, keeps, honestly. It does Keeping them dating 21-year-olds. You have to keep up with it. That's why it's called Keeps, I guess. But it does actually work. It's pretty crazy. I mean, I, I grew hair back. I definitely did. No shit. Well, yeah. I'll tell you what. You definitely don't look a day under 35. <laughs> and I think that's important. I just turned 40. Woo, damn. Oh, shit. Man, Time keeps slipping into the future. We're all going to be in the grave soon. Um, all right. So now you started working as an actor on trauma movies. But how did you get into like Lloyd's inner circle? I'm going to say with some firsthand experience, I, I, Uncle Lloyd is an incredibly important person to our generation. And I will say that he is eager for strong, like forward looking people that want to work. But I feel like you have a very special relationship with Lloyd. 
Uh, well, I think it's something that, you know, he looks for people, you know, of all types for every, you know, he's open to working with everyone, but you have to kind of prove yourself that you're, you know, capable. And I mean, basically, if you have any kind of common sense, you can uh, work with Trump, essentially. And also, it's really good to have your own car. Also that. Just so that you can leave set if you have to. It's really important yeah. to have your own car just so you can also bug out at the very last second. That's actually a very helpful tip. I usually don't have my own car or I bring my, my uh, production bus and then it's I'm trapped on, you know, not I don't say trapped because I actually welcome it. Literally every time I work on a show movie, I just give myself into it where I'm just living in Tromoville for a month and a half. I'm not going home. I got a pet sitter or the dog's with me or whatever. And, you know, I'm just in it, you know. <laughs> but then you worked your way up to production design because I feel like that's the one thing Troma has held throughout the years, especially with the new Shakespeare shitstorm. Shakespeare shitstorm is delightful. And it actually looks really good. Like, there's a lot of good production value in shitstorm. I would say it's Troma's Disney movie. It kind of looks like what you would see on the Disney channel. It except does. It's, got it's the lighting. The lighting is very colorful. Like you really, it's, it's weird. Cause I felt that part two of return to Newcomb high got a little bit convoluted and it, but it was a little, cause he definitely was piecing it together from all these different sources. Well, it was, it was definitely kind of thrown together from stuff over like seven years, the second volume, but then it was yeah. also kind of, completely covered with i think it was lloyd kind of you know getting the into the ins and outs of using vfx because he was yeah. so against using vfx and then he was finally like i'm so into this and he got it all out yeah. on return to return to return to newcomb high aka volume two which is the full title uh, it's incredible it's it's if you want to see Lloyd often do like all the cgi it's like if lloyd's head exploded that's what that movie is literally but Shakespeare Shitstorm has honestly probably some of his most inspired personal performances in a film. It's reined in. You know, it's like Lloyd's head exploded in Return to Newcomb High. And then he kind of came back and like, you know, it's a lot of practical effects. There's probably over 150 practical effects in the movie. Damn. But then there's a lot of VFX in it. But it's blended in a way where you don't notice it, you know, in a lot of ways. You know, it's not over the top. It's kind of done in a more as realistic as trauma can get. I'm not, I'm not going to say there's plenty of the, the basic trauma fair in it, but it's also like you said, highbrow. It's going back to the bard and Shakespeare, you know? So it is a viable interpretation of Shakespeare. When you like, look at it, he really like the work is there. There is thought, deep thought put into this script that I was very surprised by. Like Nat and I are both like watching and we were like, this is honestly, they're really trying. They're really digging in this one. It's incredible. I mean, because the thing is, it's all of the themes and things that Lloyd has been saying for his 50 years of filmmaking and his 47 years with trauma kind of all have come to a head in real life now. And it's him, we shot this movie in 2018 and it's topical now more than ever. It's almost like he made it like two months ago, you know, but we get into that kind of wild. And but he's been saying this stuff for 45 years and the movie is basically several times he doesn't exactly turn to the camera but in it he's playing a character and he's saying i told all of you this was going to happen fuck all of you and like this is what you get you know <laughs> it's pretty wild how do you feel about the comment i i think i've heard this quite a bit especially i mean since 2016 this idea that um uh, the president that we currently have is great for comedy and that he's great for entertainment when i honestly think it's the exact opposite well it's it's rough i mean it was the first 
six months was comedy. The six months before he got elected was true comedy. Yes. And then when he got elected, the first six months was unbelievable shock mixed with comedy to try and deal with it. And now it's a full on tragedy. It is literally the worst pandemic movie we've ever seen. Like we're in know, the middle of we're starring in it. It's, you know, Netflix, when this first happened, jokingly, they put all the pandemic movies up to the top of the queues. Like, oh, look, there's a movie called Pandemic mm -hmm. and Ola and Epidemic and all this stuff. And it's like, if you watch them all, that's all happening right now. We're watching it happen. We're watching somebody blazingly like just lead us into the entire system crashing to a halt. I mean, he is currently with virus walking around and like interacting with people. It's, We're it's, in a trauma movie. It will. We actually have a whole kind of uh, vote rock the vote a PSA campaign we're doing that is it's kind of like this is not a trauma movie this is real life so Lloyd <laughs> put one out um two weeks ago uh Kabuki Man is gonna be putting one out soon we probably have one with Toxie and stuff and uh it's literally just like reading something that okay this is the plot of redneck zombies no this is actually what Trump is doing right now it's you know happening it's hey mom first things first thank you it's my one year anniversary of my decision to say, yes, I need help, and yes, I choose me. And that's the miracle. I'm lucky that the strongest person I know is my own mother. Love you, Mom. Maxwell. Be that strong person who makes the difference. If your loved one is struggling with drugs and alcohol, reach out to Karen for a different kind of addiction treatment. Visit caron.org slash lost. Reese's peanut butter cups are the greatest, but let me play devil's advocate here. Let's see. So, no, that's a good thing. Uh, <laughs> that's definitely not a problem. Uh, Reese's, you did it. You stumped this charming devil. Happening. What's the future of trauma? Like, honestly, I now, like, uh, you know, Uncle Lloyd, he's doing good. He looks really healthy. But what's kind of now? Like, do, do you, are there plans for, like, future generations? Because I, I only ask you because I know that you're so deeply embedded within trauma. And, like, like what's the what are the next steps? What happens next? I mean, trauma has always been movies of the future. And Lloyd has thought this through. He's he's I mean, he's going for as long as he's he's got. And uh, his daughters are all involved. His wife is involved. Charlotte's you know, brilliant, too. They're both brilliant. Charlotte, Lisbeth, Lily Hayes, his three daughters, like, are, you know, all involved one way or another. His lovely wife, Pat Kaufman, the New York State Film Commissioner, and uh, or um, retired New York State Film Commissioner, is now the uh, first lady of Tromaville, and she produced Shakespeare's Shitstorm with uh, Justin Martell and John Brennan and uh, myself. We all kind of came together, and it was three decades of Trump, like I've been working with Trump for 20 years. Justin's been working with trauma for 10 years and John's been working with trauma for like eight years. So we all know Lloyd very well. Yeah. And then Pat's been working with Lloyd for 55, 60 years, maybe even longer. <laughs> Jesus Christ. So, uh, yeah. And so she was there to kind of keep him not in check, but balance, like the checks and balances of like, okay, maybe that, um, scene where the guy is jizzing onto the ceiling should be a little bit shorter or <laughs> we'll cut it down a little bit so it looks more realistic. So actually that part- Which I, I love mean, you saying this about Shakespeare's shitstorm where it literally has a scene where people are visibly vomiting on each other. We're oh like, no, but now we're showing some hesitancy. Now we're, no, but honestly, we're really cutting it back. <laughs> there <laughs> are a lot of incredible conversations. I mean, throughout my years in Tromaville of the line of when, uh, you know, it goes through Lloyd and, and Pat and they're, and they're kind of watching it like, we don't want the message to get diluted in, you know, 
30 gallons of cum, so let's make it five to 10 gallons of cum instead. <laughs> Marcus Parks from last podcast was talking about, because I totally forgot that the cowman, his band, and he is in that scene, that the crazy shit orgy scene. <laughs> and he was yeah. describing the girl behind him that was topless. Well, I forget what mask she had on. She had she, uh, actually had a toxic mask on. She yeah, was a she had a toxic mask on. And the whole time he was just, just like, he was trying to describe his conversations with this girl because the whole time she was like, you hope we're going to be in a movie? You think we'll end up in a movie? And him just being like, I, I think so. Yeah, I, I really think so. I wish she'd put her shirt on <laughs> in between takes. It was a live performance. They, they did a concerts concert theme performance in the middle of the uh prospero so retreat nightclub uh yeah it's it's a great it's scene amazing. it's amazing yeah they're introducing the the tempest which is the drug that prospero has engineered for his revenge basically it's got a real plot it's a really good movie i really like the movie I mean, it follows the plot of shakespeare's the tempest which is shakespeare's final stage play no it has a touch of sadness to it at it's the there's sadness to it, but then it also throws in, you know, all of the social commentary and topical themes that are in every trauma movie and that are in Lloyd's mind, basically, you know? It really does. It really does play as like all of these like famous trauma notes that are being played in, in a way that almost feels like, don't go, Uncle Lloyd, don't go yet. You're not done yet. No, he's not. He's not going anywhere. I mean, he is saying, you know, basically, you know. He's saying this this could be his final play because the world could be over tomorrow. You know, I, I mean, no it could clue. be everyone's final, whatever. But he's going to keep making movies. And we are working on uh, a sequel to Sergeant Kabuki Man, NYPD. All right. Speaking of Sergeant Kabuki Man, we were talking about this because we have a, a friend in common that works on your pretty face is going to hell, Shane Morton, that also does a character named Professor Morte, that also he lives in a world like where we were talking about this over the phone yesterday, where he has to do his own makeup, do his own lighting, set up his own shot and shoot, shoot things. Also, what is it like being a one man band that is also in deep, deep makeup? Yeah. I mean, Shane is an amazing, amazing guy. He's uh, he's got it, got it going on. And it's the same thing with me. I was just <laughs> shooting some uh, promos for trauma. Ween, the, uh, the driving thing we're doing through October. What, so what is trauma? Ween? Is that, is that just a full on drive in a movie thought marathon? Yeah, it's a full-on uh, trauma experience at the Bel Air Drive-In and Diner in Queens, New York. Which that's we are where both, they shot Goodfellas. We uh, sh shot Goodfellas, and we also shot Shakespeare Shitstorm like five minutes from the diner. My father used to take me there. Yeah, to the Bel Air Diner. Oh, he used so, to go there I mean, all day as a little boy. Legendary. It's actually older than trauma. It's been around for fifty-five years. So uh, it's kind of you know forty-seven-year-old indie movie studio and fifty-five-year-old local diner are coming together to bring people out of quarantine and have some Halloween fun, socially distanced Halloween fun. <laughs> Honestly, it helps to have something to look forward to. And the, these drive through events seem to be really working as long as people stay in their cars. Cause then they just have to come, they stay in their cars. They can hang out outside. Right. Like, yeah, kind of that's the idea. Enough, there's, we have these like little carnival games and a merch booth and you know, there's hand washing stations and all that kind of stuff. They've been running these events for the last three months. Actually, they've been doing screening yeah. all summer and it's, been going great so they're we're kind of invading with the trauma team and showing uh you know uh, uh start on the 9th and 10th this this weekend friday and saturday with uh the toxic avenger and sergeant kabuki man nypd and we're showing the uh sneak preview teaser to kabuki man returns this friday actually look yeah dude that's awesome when you get into kabuki man how long does it take you to get into kabuki man um 
about an hour. You know, I can rush it and get it, you know, 20 minutes or a half hour if I need to, but to be like camera ready, like I was doing something like Shane was where, you know, I was shooting, doing the makeup, doing everything, but I wanted it to be really good because I'm going to be on, on camera and all these promos. So I took like an hour and a half to do the makeup, you know? <laughs> is the headpiece, is that glue, do you glue that onto your cheeks? It's like three pieces. So the first piece is like the half mask that goes like your nose to like your forehead. And then there's these two smaller pieces that glue on your mustache area and your chin. And then the headdress goes over the whole top and then wraps around to like close up the neck. And then you got to put on the outfit over that to kind of cover that part of Did it. Did you invent that? Did you make that up? No, no. I mean, Kabuki Man's been around for 30 years and it's designed from the first initial Kabuki Man outfits. And like, did you pull the molds for yourself? Like, like the face oh, yeah. molds this, and this the headpiece? Whole version of it is custom to me. My friend Christina Puff actually helped out with uh, a lot of effects in some movies that we've done in the past. And uh, she you know, helped me make the, the mask piece and did like the foam latex. It's made out of foam latex. So it's all foam latex pieces, you know? Well, you do such a good job with the Sergeant Kabuki Man makeup because I've also seen you just get hammered in it. Like, that's a specific difference because Gary, when I do Gary, Gary can hold up to me just partying in it for about an hour. But then I lose the lips. Then I lose my fingernails. Then I start to lose because it's all just airbrush. So I start to slowly lose parts of me. And then my horns always have to be slightly reapplied as the day goes because if I, I sweat and then sweat pools into the hollow horns and it causes them to start to weigh down. You, I mean, everything you're describing, I'm just feeling the cringe because like I've been dealing with that for 20 years, <laughs> you know? <laughs> But it's uh, well, you like I'm, pain. You're you are a person who kind of likes being uncomfortable. Oh, uh, well, you know, half and half. You know, I, I like to give it as much as I can take it, I guess. But uh, we can get into that that later. Let's keep it to the Kabuki. There's a lot of other things we can talk about. But, uh, the, uh, for Kabuki, man, it's, you know, luckily I'm a makeup artist. So I actually when I'm out and I know I'm going to be out for 12 hours or so, like I'll carry around the touch up makeup and touch it up every few hours. Because when you're talking, it just rubs yeah. off, you know. Yeah, but it's a really fun party element. It is. And I'm used to, you know, I came from the background of, I started doing it at Troma events because we were doing Citizen Toxie, the Fort Toxie Avenger movie. And kind of going back to how I got involved with Troma, I was an actor in that. And then because I kind of just got involved in all the departments and showed that I had some initiative, Lloyd took me in and kind of worked my way up the ladder. And then um, for Citizen Toxie, I took over the mantle of Kabuki Man in like 1999, 2000 portraying him at all these big events. We were doing the same kind of thing we're doing with Troma Ween, but around the country and around the world at retrospectives, the Cannes Film Festival, Sundance Film Festival with Troma Dance. And uh, I was 18, 19 years old. Ooh. And the character is uh, an alcoholic. <laughs> <laughs> and you're like, I'm in character. Uh, well, I mean, it was. And something that, you know, I, I don't care how it's portrayed either way, but it, half and half, I, I did learn how to play a pretty good alcoholic from from watching Lloyd direct the original Kabuki Man on uh, Citizen Toxie, Paul Kermsey, there's one instance in my mind that every time I get into character, I think of this line, if you, if you know Citizen Toxie. Um, he is, uh, at the end of the movie, he's all banged up, battle damaged, and he's getting ready to go. He thinks he's going to the hospital. And he's also supposed to be like completely drunk and shit-faced. And the actor's like, oh, this, this ain't the hospital. He's like coming up on Toxie's shack. And then Lloyd's like showing him how to act, and he is Kabuki Man. Lloyd's like, this, this ain't the fucking hospital. Oh, that's right. And he's like doing the movements and stuff, and I just have this image of Lloyd 
talking to Kabuki <laughs> Man, telling him how to be drunk. And then for 20 years, I have that voice in my it's head. That same thing is straight from the source. Do you think, or I will say as Gary, it's really nice to look in the mirror and not see me. And I feel that it helps me become a different person. Like, would you say you as Kabuki Man is like a different guy? It's half and half. I say over the years, like it's, I mean, you know, while I'm doing the makeup, I have a lot of time and it's over the years, it's taken me more time to like get into the zone where I have to get into the makeup. So I know once I put it on, I put so much time into it, no matter what, I'll find something to do. Even if we're shooting a promo, I'll be like, okay, let's go out to the bar or whatever. I just spent two hours on this makeup. I don't want to fucking take it off right now. You know, <laughs> definitely. No, you want to feel like it's used for something. And then the, just the looks on people's faces when you arrive and you're a human cartoon character, it's so powerful because you're elevating, you elevate an evening when people are like, who is this fucking crazy person? And then, you know, the problem is, is that then you kind of, if you're like me, like the same thing, kind of an extrovert stripe, there's a part of you that wants to make sure, well, I'm going to live up to the promise of this insanity. Uh, yeah, exactly. I'm right there with you. It's, it's, it's a bit of both sides. You also can lose yourself in the character too. So like, I, you know, when I'm out normally, you know, as I've gotten older, I become a little bit more of an a introvert and like not really want to interact with too many people. But when I put that on, I'm someone else. I don't have to, you know, they're not asking me how my day was and I have to go over all the shit that I've been through today. I'm, I'm Sergeant Kabuki Man NYPD. Buy me a shot. <laughs> <laughs> you went to Cannes. How many times did you guys go to Cannes with trauma? Uh, I've been about 10 or 11 times, probably eight or nine with trauma, but I've been a few years with uh, with my own projects and stuff, too. But you went I remember because I think kind of the, the one of the peaks of trauma at Cannes was you getting the picture with Tilda Swinton. Yeah, that was I've kind of been through three phases that have been very well documented with trauma uh, <laughs> in, from 99 to 2001 when I was 18 to 21, 22. There is a feature-length documentary called All the Love You Cans, which is on Troma Now and all the Troma networks. I belong to Troma Now. It's really worth it. Yeah, it's, it's like the Troma Netflix. They have all their exclusive stuff. Um, YouTube kind of just screwed them over on some stuff, so they pulled all their shit off there. The only way to see a lot of this stuff is on Troma Now, and they're actually getting ready to do a next-level Troma Plus for all the new movies that are coming out, like hashtag Shakespeare Shitstorm. So we're going the... Uh, the Disney routes. Wow, we're not yeah, hell yeah, work. dude. We're just, we're upgrading the service and the quality and everything, but it's not going to be that much more. If, you know, everyone that's on Troma now will automatically be pushed up to Troma Plus and uh, it's already going to be getting announced in the next uh, few weeks, I think. I'm but. already making money on Troma now. That's what you're saying. I said, I'm already making money. Well, the thing is, you can actually, I mean, if you're a short filmmaker or a feature-like filmmaker, you can submit your movie and get it on Troma Now, and it's much easier for them to distribute that kind of stuff because they don't have to put up the overhead for uh, duplication costs and all this stuff. So, you know, you might not make that much money, but your movie's directly available, and you get, you know, 50% of whatever the profits are, you know, as soon as you start getting it, you know? That's pretty sweet. That's actually a pretty good deal. You should think about that as a small-time movie maker. I mean, honestly, Troma is a really great place for the independent like beginning filmmaker. It's really, really good because you can really throw in and get, get your hands on a lot of different tools. Yeah. I mean, it's probably 50 or 60 celebrities and, and bigger names have gotten their starts with trauma. Like some of the stuff with trauma, trauma ween were showing uh, death by temptation, which is Samuel L. Jackson's first movie. Wow. That's so funny. Cannibal, the musical, which was Trey Parker and Matt Stone's 
senior thesis project in college and Lloyd uh, gave them money to finish funding it and shoot an opening scene that's like a total massacre scene just to kind of have yeah, we like, wrote, we we watch that movie once a year in our household it's amazing yeah so we're showing that on october 22nd at the the drive-in at tromaween that's so cool hey mom first things first thank you it's my one year anniversary of my decision to say yes i need help and yes i choose me and that's the miracle i'm lucky that the strongest person i know is my own mother love you mom maxwell be that strong person who makes the difference. If your loved one is struggling with drugs and alcohol, reach out to Karen for a different kind of addiction treatment. Visit caron.org slash lost. Reese's peanut butter cups are the greatest, but let me play devil's advocate here. Let's see. So, no, that's a good thing. Uh, <laughs> that's definitely not a problem. Uh, Reese's, you did it. You stumped this charming devil. And do you miss going to camp? Like, because like I know there was some kind of kerfuffle, and you guys got it. You guys stopped going to camp. The only reason why I'm focusing on the can part is because it's such a fancy festival mix with you guys. I love that circus that you guys add to to can. Well, yeah, Lloyd's been going to the Cannes Film Festival for 45 years with Troma and has a relationship with the heads of the festival and the people. You know, because he, you know, Troma buys a booth every year or used to before all this kind of stuff, you know, I'll, I'll, I'll briefly touch on it. It's, it's, it's a, a big, big, we don't have to get into all the nitty gritty. Well, the short it's of just, it is, just the short of it is, you know, can is, you know, the highest act, you know, you know, thing for film in the world. You know, everyone looks so highly on that and trauma is, indie, uh, you it's know, the heart. It, it definitely, it held, it holds the flag of indie horror, like movie making. But for years can champion trauma and, and allowed it in. But then when, uh, you know, obviously I had more to do with like Hollywood buying in the, into all the campaigns and pushing yeah. the independence out, but it also had a lot to do with like terrorism and public safety and people walking around with masks and, uh, you know, creating a riot. So they did kind of use that environment over the last few years. I mean, you know, five or six years, whatever it is to pigeonhole trauma, even though they, everyone knows exactly who we are. We're labeled. We're not doing a protest. They just kind of, when it's convenient for them say, Oh, this is a protest. You guys can't come in here anymore. You know, like, no, it, this is technically art. It's kind of like yeah. a happening. Like all of when trauma rolls through, like when you do the zombie crawl, it's the same thing where the zombie yeah. crawl, how are you doing it in the COVID-19 world? Well, we're doing, that's the thing. Like we've been thinking, you know, zombie crawl we've been doing for 14 years and that's like zombie mobs and total social interactions. So for the last six, eight months, I've been trying to figure out how to do something. And then, you know, working with trauma and we do a lot of premieres with them with the zombie crawl. It just kind of made sense that we're hosting the, you know, the uh, trauma ween and then we're doing socially distant zombie games and a costume contest. So there's, oh, there's cool. some zombie elements, but we're not doing a full running around through the street. We're not doing makeup on people. People can come in their own makeup. But it's kind of like how I think you must feel like how we feel because we are such um, Halloween for me is such a time period where I'm used to fucking raging. Like I'm used all, to all month, you know, October all 1st month. It starts, you know, I Just mean, all boom, year <laughs> out do Yeah, obviously all, all year. But it's like, you know, but October is like we're, we are normally like out for the month, like between shows and doing specialty events and doing all this kind of shit. And then this year it's just like I'm home. Like, I was like, I guess I'll learn how to make macaroons. <laughs> Is that what I'll do? I feel like uh, I f sometimes I just feel like a man that's been made sober by the court, but I'm still hammered. 
but by I'm society. Home. Yeah. yeah. I mean, I actually learned how to poach eggs and make hollandaise sauce while wow. in quarantine. You're becoming more of a catch. Just uh, you boil water and throw an egg in there. It's, it works mostly. You got to put a little bit of vinegar in there. So yeah, it you got to uh, swirl it and swirl it and swirl it. Make, like the, the bowl around it, you know? It's like, no, man. It's like, I got to do it. Like, so Nat and I were just trying to figure out, like, what is a new metal hollow? What's a new metal hobby for us to have? I and mean, we're just poaching like trying eggs. to. <laughs> yeah, poaching eggs, man. That's it. I, we're going to come out of this stronger. Our brunches are going to be insane. Damn. Yeah. When we throw a brunch, it's going to be a, insane. Like a strong mimosa, baby. <laughs> so what? Uh, so now you're working on the new Kabuki Man movie. That's kind of the idea that you're. Yeah, this so is we, kind of germinating. We just got the story and treatment, like the final versions of it approved by Lloyd. So we're going into, you know, fleshing out the script and pre-production development. But we have some investors interested and it's kind of you know it's something where we started this over two years ago and we were sort of were rushing into it and we slowed down because some other stuff was coming up in the shitstorm. we wanted to kind of time it out and then the the pandemic thing happened and it you know actually yeah it's a horrible thing but it gave me time to really put things in perspective and it changed the story in a lot of ways too it's not a pandemic story it's not like one of those things but it's you know everybody's getting more introspective now I mean, me personally, you're just being, you know, in my own mind for six months and inside in isolation and interacting in a very small social bubble and stuff. It's it makes you think about yourself. <laughs> I mean, it's true. It's like you're going to end up making a more intimate version of a Kabuki Man film. It might actually be really good for a film. This idea of like us all sitting, having to really think about like. What makes me happy? What makes me tick? Like, what what is it about? Like, if I you strip away all the bells and whistles, what am I? What do I do? And like, you have somebody like Kabuki Man having to think about that is interesting. Yeah, I mean that's that's a big part about uh, of the movie, and then it's you know how he interacts with society as you know a superhero as a police officer and also as like an alcoholic and a terrible person. So. It's interesting because also with all of the issues going on about talking about police reform, really like this is Sergeant Kabuki man is actually a good point to like have trauma, talk about this subject and understand it. Well, that was something that, you know, we had a story in one way with a lot of these elements that are in the final piece. But when we went to Lloyd with it, he was like, what are the angles? What are the social elements? A lot of this stuff is, you know, kind of generic superhero stuff or not exactly, you know, they, he wanted the social things to tie together. And then, you know, all that stuff started happening with, you know, it's been happening for a long time, but, yeah. you know, the police brutality and Black Lives Matter and, you know, just all like all this coming to light. And, you know, if you watch Shakespeare's Shitstorm, it's almost like the next natural step for Lloyd to kind of, go into those topics and kind of and he does it well like it doesn't the Shakespeare shit storm is like I, to me it was a well executed like commentary on especially from trauma point of view yeah it's it incredibly done and something that you know I you know as a producer and someone who's heavily involved with you know every element of what was going on screen it was something where I was you know I read it and like this is amazing and then as we were shooting it and stuff was kind of coming out I was like I don't know how I feel about this. It's, it's, it seems a little weird or uncomfortable. And that's me living in Tromaville for 20 years. But it was always like, this is Lloyd's movie. Like, I would put my two cents in. But, like, ultimately, that's the way the message came out. And then watching it now, it's like, yeah, that actually makes total sense why he did it that way. It's like, I didn't see it in that way until, you know, 
I watched it at the premiere at the Fantasia Film Festival almost because I was so in, involved and invested in more of the technical issues. Yeah, of like, you were like making the movie. Yeah, you were like in the sausage mix. Like the practical effects and making sure we we're using the right shots so like the gunshots looked the best they could and this kind of thing, you know. So watching it afterwards, it's the trauma team. It's a group message and everyone, you know, a thousand percent behind what's on screen, you know. That's so cool. Uh, Doug, thank you so much for sitting and talking with us today. Um, I don't want to ruin your mood. Uh, Eddie Van Halen died. You just got Are the you message. kidding me? Yeah, Eddie Van Halen died. I just got the message oh on my, my phone. Oh, my God. You just heard oh. that live. You just heard that live. I can't fucking believe it. 65 years old. Holy shit. Oh, wow. What a way to end a, a podcast. Jesus. Hey, man, you know, I like to keep it fresh on this show. Well, it's fresh, man. That is fresh as hell, huh? Wow. Some Van Halen all day. That's it, man. Fucking Panama, man. You fucking go home. Fuck David Lee Roth today. I want you to write fuck David Lee Roth on your T-shirt today and walk around today knowing today is Eddie Van Halen's day. It is. What's what's today? October 6th is officially Eddie Van Halen day. Day. Ah, it's cancer. Oh, man. All right. Well, what a great show. Well, what I a great do, well, conversation. Let's, let's end on a better note. I do want to wish a happy birthday to Miss Nadia White, our dear, dear friend, Miss Nadia White. Yes, Nadia, who I did sl- subtweet mentioned because she was the one who who crazy vomited. In she did. Shakespeare actually, Shitstorm. Nadia White is in uh, hashtag Shakespeare Shitstorm. That's actually the full title from Lloyd Kaufman. It is hashtag Shakespeare Shitstorm. So anytime <laughs> you say or see the movie, you have to put that. See, it's on the poster yes, yes. and everything. But uh Nadia plays one of the beautiful bad girls and she's a competitive eater. And that is all actual real vomit. And all those people in the scenes are actually competitive eaters eating and vomiting. Yeah. It's, with her. it's wild. Those girls were all great in that movie. All the bad girls were great. It was a w- very well cast movie. Yeah. We, uh, Tim Gravy Brown's in there. Uh, Eric Badlands, Big Chug and uh, Crazy Like Conti is in oh, there. Yeah, I did a sketch with Crazy Leg Conti for uh, Michael and Michael have issues back in the day in 2009. My first professional job in show business and I met him and I learned about acting in a sketch TV show and about competitive eating in like one afternoon. He is amazing and he is also all about those lady boys. Uh, <laughs> that's a conversation for another time though. <laughs> Ah, that's a good keeping it fresh um well, well yeah Doug, we should do a sequel because there's a bunch of stuff we haven't even touched on uh yeah absolutely we will we absolutely will we will definitely I mean, talk yeah, again the whole point of being on here i thought was to talk about unsolved mysteries we never even talked about that <laughs> we'll get back into you know i'm interested in many layers of your well, life we should do an unsolved mystery thing because um october 19th six new episodes come out and i um art directed four of them no oh, dude that's fucking awesome do you know are you at, are you at liberty to say that if there are more paranormal episodes or anything or more UFO episodes in the new yes. match? Yes. yes, I can't say anything about exactly what's going on, but there yes. is an international insane ghost story that is in the last ten years. I think yes. it's ten years, but it's also collectively of you know other things going on and it's um i actually haven't that's one episode i haven't seen yet because i did all of the u.s episodes and then there was a team doing the international episodes so there's one in france Ooh. um that uh that won't happen i think i don't want to say too much i mean it's coming out soon i'm gonna say it's in japan that's fucking it's, awesome it's ghosts in japan that's all i'm yes. gonna say there's there's, yes. there's uh it's way it's way way deeper than that but is it uh, I true think in order to get to work on unsolved mysteries you have to 
look at a picture of Robert Stack's penis? No, no, no. They would never disrespect Bob. Bob Stack, he's as uh, referred to around the office. They have they have such love for him. They still deal with his family. The estate approved everything we're doing with him. And you go into the production office. They have all these inspirational quotes and pictures of Robert Stack from all his acting career. And like, all awesome. of stuff. it's so great. I'll send you some pictures of it. It's like, uh, you know, saying how di- how good he looks in jeans and all this stuff. Just like, uh, <laughs> Oh, it's so good. They, uh, Christmas time, they had a uh, Robert Stack Christmas tree with pictures of him all over the tree. That's so cool. Unsolved Mysteries uh, pumpkin they carved the logo into and stuff for Halloween. So, dude, I would buy Robert Stack Christmas decorations. Yeah, well, the uh, you know they're very respect. I don't know if they would do that, but because uh, they're trying to be respectful of uh, the property. But well, Bob Bob Stack Junior is going to want a yacht, and that's how he gets it. Well, uh, I'll, I'll put the word in with the. Uh, merchandising over mysteries yeah we need merchandising <laughs> well, there is actually uh unsolved mysteries soundtracks there's a record that you can get all the original um theme songs and all the original uh you know track bed music beds for the show no shit what a great halloween gift yep. for your loved one yeah i would pick it up i uh, i don't have a record player but uh that might be a digital copy i gotta look into it <laughs> that's cool as hell honestly i didn't know that we have so much more to talk about we will do this again for sure probably in your future because we here at the lpn family we keep it tight now tell me do you want to tell you want to plug your socials you want to do anything quick quick yeah plug? it's that- all it's all happening at doug sackman.com mm-hmm. um D-O-U-G-S-A-K-M-A-N-N for all your blood and gore needs. <laughs> Hire this man. Um, sleep with this man. Send him food and shots because he deserves it. All of the above. And I'm on social with uh, Twitter, Facebook, uh, YouTube, all just Doug Sackman. No uh, one word, I guess. No space. Like share. <laughs> yeah, that's, I'm going to change everything to my signature. It's going to be Doug Sackman. <laughs> I'm Doug. <laughs> Doug, Doug Sackman. Sackman. <laughs> Doug Sackman. <laughs> aka blood sackman as uh, people have referred to me yeah blood sackman that's me blood sackman. oh and one more thing yes. i don't know if i told you this i'm fucking directing two more cannibal corpse music videos tell them we said hello i love cannibal corpse oh my god it's so amazing two songs their new album coming out next year it's called violence unimaginable yes. i think the album. and the two songs i'm doing uh, music videos and it's kind of like a short film because um it's uh the band's not going to be in them so it's uh inhumane harvest is the first song and necrogenic resurrection is the second song (laughs) and i had a very interesting conversation with the guitarist of cannibal corpse about you know i handed all these treatments in and they approved everything and then i didn't interpret some of the lyrics correctly and uh rob barrett who wrote the lyrics to inhumane harvest called me and sweetest sweetest man was just like um, so there's three points we need to get into this video and I'm not going to, I don't want to get into the logistics of it. Basically, uh, the song is about, uh, live organ harvesting, taking the <laughs> organs out of some person, uh, you know, abducting them, taking out while they're still alive and watching and then burning their bodies. That's like a thing that, you know, the organ harvesting, uh, community, I'm going to say community, because if you identify as an organ harvester, I don't want to offend you when it gets down to it. But the organ harvester business is actually very big. It's very big. We were talking about stories last year. It was one in Arizona where they just found a guy washing a human headless, armless, legless torso, just washing it in a parking lot with a hose. And the cops were like, what are you doing? And he's like, this is my business. 
Yeah. I mean, it's a thing that's, you know, it's, it's like a superpowers. It can be used for good and it can be used for evil. You know? <laughs> so. Sometimes you just have a bunch of body parts. You're looking to move. It's, it's true. I mean, sometimes you got extra ones. You got to get them out, you know? got to get Everything them out. I got to move these go. units. I got to move these units. One of the lyrics um, that's, I'll leave you with this, is just everything must go. So uh, everything must go. <laughs> Dude, thank you, Doug, for doing this. I got one more. One more thing real quick. Yes. I totally forgot to mention. I'm sorry. We are doing, this is for charity. So I'm mentioning it. Um, we are doing a canned food drive for the New York Food Bank, the Food Bank of New York, at the Bel Air Dining and Driver in Queens. So all month in October, anytime you donate a canned good, it's open 24 hours a day. So all month long, 24 hours a day in Queens, you can get a dollar beer from Pat Blue Ribbon, a dollar shot from Sailor Jerry Rum, or a uh, can of water from Liquid Death Mountain Water, all for a good cause. Any, uh, you know, it's all at uh, belairdiner.nyc is all the details. That's great. Thank you, man. Fucking love you, baby. I love you, baby. All right. Thank you for listening to the LPN show. Listen to all of the other incredible content pieces content pieces shows on the LPN network the last podcast on the left show that's a show that we do page seven wizard and the bruiser we've got no dogs in space Abe Lincoln's top hat for all of your podcast tastes we have the slatherins for you and the toppings you need to put on top so check us out all those shows only on Spotify let's get her done This show is made possible by listeners like you. Thanks to our ad sponsors. You can support our shows by supporting them. For more shows like the one you just listened to, go to lastpodcastnetwork.com. Hi, Max. I wanted to share something with you. I wanted to tell you how grateful I am on how you've embraced your sobriety since day one. I'm grateful for how you changed your life. I'm grateful for the love you have for me. I'm grateful for you. Love, Mom. If your loved one is still struggling with addiction, you might not feel like you'll ever get to grateful, but we can show you how. At Karen, we've helped families overcome addiction for 70 years. So if your loved one is ready for something different, visit caron.org slash lost. Reese's peanut butter cups are the greatest, but let me play devil's advocate here. Let's see. So, no, that's a good thing. Uh, <laughs> That's definitely not a problem. Uh, Reese's, you did it. You stumped this charming devil.